Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. Coming up. It's our ultimate goal to find and reunite our family before they pass on. It's our faith that sustains us, and it's our faith that makes me believe that she's alive. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson. You're listening to The Daily Crime. Melissa Highsmith was less than two years old when she was kidnapped from her home in Fort Worth, Texas, over 50 years ago. Melissa's brother Jeff says the family and his mother have lived with the pain of that day their entire lives. She blames herself because of her daughter being kidnapped. Our whole life we've grown up with this. Do you think you'll see Melissa again? Well, I can't give up hope. Sometimes I think I may never see her again. But Melissa Hythesmith's family is still holding on to hope. I'm now joined by Chris Sonagy, a reporter at WFAA in Dallas, Texas. Chris, thanks for being here with us. Yes, no problem. Thank you. Chris, this is one of the oldest missing persons cases in the country, going back to August of 1971. Tell us about the last time this 20-month-old baby, Melissa Highsmith, was ever seen by her family. Yes, so the story that the mother tells was that she was looking for a babysitter, the mother, Alta Highsmith. She was looking for a babysitter to watch 21-month-old Melissa Highsmith, her firstborn baby girl, and she put an ad out for a babysitter, heard from a woman named Ruth Johnson. The plan was to meet beforehand. Uh, Johnson gave a reason why she could not make it, And they then agreed that Johnson would come to Alta's apartment, which is on East Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas, and pick up Melissa. She said that she had a big backyard, a home where she watched over a lot of children as a babysitter. Alta had to be at work that morning and could not be there when Johnson arrived. So Alta had a roommate, left the instructions for the roommate to hand Melissa to the babysitter, the supposed babysitter who presented herself as Ruth Johnson. So that is what happened. Then later that evening, when it was time for the babysitter to bring Melissa back, she never shows up. Alta calls police or actually calls the babysitter first, tries to get a hold of Ruth Johnson, cannot make contact, kept expecting Ruth to show back up with Melissa. That never happened. Called police around eight o'clock. Within a few days, the FBI was also involved, but there was never any trace of the babysitter or Melissa. And that has been the mystery now for going on past 50 years, almost 51 now. August 23rd, 1971 was the date that she disappeared. And it really does, I think, speak to just the trust that people had back then. It was a much different time and place. As we were looking into this story, a lot of questions were like, why on earth would you do that? And I think that it was just a different time and place back then uh, as far as the level of trust that people put in one another. And just it was unfathomable at the time that a babysitter, someone would present themselves as as a babysitter, but then have some kind of plot or scheme not to return the child. 
So you have a 21-month-old child who vanishes. You have a bit of a, or, or not just a bit of a mystery, you have a real mystery about who shows up at the house and and takes this child. And in the years since, uh, and certainly recently, Melissa's brother, Jeff Highsmith, has been one of the voices and one of the one of the individuals who has really brought this case back into the spotlight in some respects. Yes, Jeff and his three sisters, who were all born after this happened. Jeff was born in 1980, so that would have been nine years after Melissa was kidnapped. So this was a sister that he never knew, that he's never met, but he told me that growing up, that this was always something they knew about, that the parents, his mom and dad, were constantly telling him and his sisters to stay close, stay nearby, don't run off, and that they knew the reason why, that they had a sister who was taken. And it was it's one of those things that, you know, growing up, we can kind of remember our parents maybe telling us, oh, you know what, so-and-so got kidnapped. That's why you need to stay close, trying to scare us into staying nearby and not going someplace or putting ourselves in danger. Well, this was the actual reality for this family. They did have a sister that was taken. So his whole life, they've been searching for her. And he said that there's been times, there's been periods where they just don't have anything to go on, no leads. So they really, they weren't doing anything actively to find Melissa. But then as kind of technology caught up, as we see with a lot of these cold cases, as the technology catches up, as the DNA testing gets better and better, these, you know, these genetic testings, these family ancestry testing kits, we've seen things like this shake loose and leads develop with these cold cases. And I think that has kind of reinvigorated their search. Back in 2005 is when they requested the Fort Worth Police Department to reopen the case, which they did at the request of the family. I don't think anything significant developed in the investigation. I think most of any developments at all come from the family doing their own sleuth work and also getting some help from web sleuths, which, as I'm sure you know, are very helpful this day and age that they love to dig into this type of thing. They said that over the years they have had some women come forth, some women who may have some questions about their biological parents. They have come forth kind of in that age age range, early 50s, maybe late 40s, and get DNA tested. And so far, to no avail, but it certainly has given them hope that in the future they will ultimately find a woman out there whose true identity is Melissa Highsmith. And when you don't have a lot to go on, you have to focus on the things that that could provide some clues or could help out. Jeff has commented, I believe, that his three sisters share some similar facial features, and maybe there's something there. Yeah, if you look on the Charlie Project, which is a website that is really a huge database for missing persons, they have some pictures, some age progression pictures that... Uh, artists have done, tried to put together to kind of get a sense of what Melissa Highsmith might look like this day and age. Jeff was saying that he isn't too sure about the age progression. He thinks that if you're looking for Melissa out there, that Melissa's probably going to look more like his three sisters that he, and he pointed out some features, some high cheekbones. He said that in the, in the original missing persons poster, it mentioned that Melissa has a birthmark on her back, um, upper back. So there are some distinguishing characteristics that I think they look for, but of course, DNA testing will probably be the biggest tell all indicator. 
uh, if they can get a match on that and ultimately identify if this person is Melissa Highsmith, what you know, what that person's story is, what happened to them once they were kidnapped. You know, were they were they trafficked? Were they adopted? Were they raised by this person who presented themselves as Ruth Johnson? That we don't know. The possibilities are really endless. Chris, you found some pretty amazing old video footage. It appears to be Alta at like a news conference. But so Melissa's mother answering questions and talking about the case, right? Yes. So that video, we have a tremendous resource here in Dallas with SMU's Jones Film Library. They archive a lot of film from the early 60s to probably the mid to late 70s stories that WFAA did during that time frame that was all on film. We do not have the capacity at our station to preserve that film the way it needs to be preserved. It has to be kept at a certain temperature. And of course, film spools are huge. SMU has an archive where they preserve, not only preserve the film, not only our film, but several spools of film. They also digitize it, which makes it nice and easy for us when we're looking for old stories from that time frame. We can go on their YouTube page, and it really is fascinating to see, just to look through some of that film. If that's your thing, if old video, old film, bygone era is something that interests you, it's fascinating just to not only look at the type of stories that were being done for local news back then, but just... Everything about the video, you know, you see something in the background, the cars they were driving, the accents they have, just the the clothes they were wearing. It really is fascinating. And we have made great use of that film archive at SMU. It has just been a tremendous resource for us. And I think Jeff Highsmith, Melissa's brother, comments that actually that was the first time he had seen that video of his mother. And, and you can tell it's an emotional moment. Yes, and that is something that has happened. We do a series here called Daybreak Rewind. It's for our morning show where we will regularly dip dip into the archive and pull a story and kind of revisit it. Sometimes it's lighter, more fun, and then other times it's stories like this, a little bit more serious and true crime related. But that's happened a few times where we have gone back and we have been able to track down people in the film or family members of people in the film. And they say, wow, we had no idea. We did not know that we were caught on uh, that this that this film existed um, or that their family members were in it. One that comes to mind was the very first black student at Highland Park High School here in in Dallas. They profiled him back in the 70s. And I just at the very beginning of the pandemic, I was able to track him down. And he said, yeah, I had no idea that this video existed. Wow, that, that's really amazing. And in the case of of Melissa Highsmith, it just gives you some insight into, you know, seeing her mother. This is a, a young woman, you know, a young mother back then in 1971. Is Alta Highsmith still alive? She is still alive. Jeff said that she's not as involved in the search as he and his siblings, he and his sisters, he says it's just, it's been something that has been a heartbreak for her, her entire life that she blames herself for Melissa being taken. And I think over the years, Alta Highsmith has done interviews, but she, I believe Jeff told me is 72 years old now and is not doing them near as much anymore. And he made it sound like it's just too much for her to take, that this has been a lifetime of a heartbreak that has lasted a lifetime. 
And that is what his motivation is. He wants to be able to reunite his family before his mother and father uh, pass on. Over the period of more than 50 years, has the family developed any theories about the case? There's some theories out there. I don't know if they have super hard evidence to support it. They said they re-interviewed the roommate, the actual roommate who handed Melissa to the babysitter. And after interviewing her, and this is a theory that's kind of been out there a while, they think that it's a possibility that Ruth Johnson is not actually a woman, but a man who was posing as a woman. The roommate said that the person had manly features and was wearing white gloves, uh, almost as to d- disguise their hands or to hide something on their hands. So that's one theory out there as far as why or what. I think Jeff pointed out, said that one theory out there is there may have been some kind of trafficking ring in Fort Worth at that time. Uh, again, that's far from confirmed, but that is just one of the theories out there as to why someone would present themselves as a babysitter and take a child at that age. In the archive, a clip that we did not use in the story, it's an interview with police there in Fort Worth, and I'm not sure if it's the police chief or just an investigator or a detective, but they said they found no evidence of harm to Melissa. I don't know necessarily what evidence they would look for, especially when you don't know where she went, but their hope at the time was whoever took her was just a lonely person who wanted a child for whatever reason, may have not been able to have a child of their own. And the hope was that whoever took her was taking care of her, raising her well. And I think that is the hope that Jeff and his family still have, that somewhere out there, there's a 52-year-old, perfectly healthy, was raised well, raised uh, in a loving family, but just simply does not know her true identity and her origin. Chris Sadegui at WFAA in Dallas. Thanks so much for talking to us. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Daily Crime. Be sure to check out our weekly show, True Crime Chronicles, available wherever you listen to podcasts. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson.